Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. When it comes to things paranormal, it's almost obligatory to discuss possession. My favorite movie of all time is The Exorcist because my grandmother told me that it caused people to faint when it was released. It was such a controversial film that I, of course, had to watch it. I was hooked by the authenticity of the storyline. A young girl is possessed after coming across a Ouija board in her basement. She is slowly possessed by a demon and, well, things take a turn for the worst. It's why my own experience with the witch board in later years would terrify me. You'll hear about that in a future episode. As you, an aficionado of the paranormal, are aware, any object or even person can become possessed by something sinister. This episode is all about possession. Okay, ready to get spooked? The first submission comes from JV, a fellow podcaster who hosts the Mixter Hyde podcast and the creator of the Red Wing audio drama. I think you should check it out, not only because the show is awesome, but especially since I'll be playing the character Ember O'Hay, aka Arson. You can follow JV on Twitter at Mixterhide or at Redwing Pod. When JV heard about the show, they were more than excited to share their tale of possession. I've always felt that something was with me in some way, particularly in moments of primal fear or various danger-ridden situations. When I was 17, there was a rather unpleasant incident with a former friend where she asked me, a black male identified person at the time and a survivor of sexual assault, to lie to the police about witnessing her being raped and that it was her ex, a friend of mine, who had done it. I refused, and I ran at night in the dark a smooth two miles before my friend Zach picked me up and brought me home. I had called my friend, her ex, to tell him the cops might be looking for him because she had tried to lie about him. When I got home, I was terrified for my friend. I had to do something. Now, it's important to note that I'm an eclectic pagan, meaning I practice a religion that is an amalgamation of voodoo, Wiccan, Native American shamanism, and druidic beliefs. One of the first things they teach you is never, ever, ever forget to put up a protective circle and always be careful who you invite into the circle. And I didn't do that. I grabbed some supplies, a ceramic bowl with water, a metallic bowl with salt, the gift, a teddy bear my friend's ex had given me for my birthday. I got candles and a cactus needle, 
I was trying to do a protection ritual, so I called whoever would listen, who could protect my friend. But I was so full of anger and rage at my former friend, that instead of directing my energy in a calm manner to help him, I blacked out. That was around 12.30am or so. The following is based on what my mom found me doing at 3am in the middle of the driveway. My mom got up because she heard something weird. She went to the driveway and found me in my boxers, feet all bloody and cut from the rocks and broken glass and pottery. I was dancing around the metal bowl which had a flaming teddy bear in it and chanting, ring around the rosy and giggling. I kept putting my hand in the flame and laughing. My eyes didn't look like my own. She told me to come inside and apparently I said, go to hell in what she called flawed French. I found out later it was Haitian Creole, a language I hadn't ever studied. I picked up the metal bowl and tried to bring it in the house, but my mom shut the door and locked it before grabbing water. She came back and I was dancing again. She put out the fire with the water and she said I just fell to the ground. My stepdad carried me inside. They put me in bed. The next morning, I woke up and my feet were sore, but there wasn't any blood on them. There was, however, blood in the driveway, where I had been dancing. I've come to suspect it was probably one of the Liwa taking my body for a spin, but I've never felt that particular spirit again. That was not my last incident with nighttime dancing with bloody feet. About seven years later, I was doing an energy offering to the Liwa, which are the spirits or deities in the voodoo religion, and I felt one of them take over and she wanted to dance. I felt her energy and it was feminine and powerful, and I again danced until my feet bled. I came to in the middle of the street in front of my house. I went inside completely drained, and I again woke up the next day with slightly sore feet, but no wounds, and no visible blood on my feet. But, there were bloody footprints into my room. Moral of the story, always use protection. Wow, JV, you are so right about making sure your energy is protected at all times. My mom is a Reiki master and all-around guru when it comes to the metaphysical world. She taught me from a young age to protect my energy. I always share with my friends who may be a little bit more sensitive to energy than an average person that they should work on protecting themselves. Many people have different ways of visualizing their bubble, if you will, but I encourage you to always protect yourself. Whenever you lose a family member, some part of you hopes that they give you a sign from wherever they are that they're okay. In the previous episode, I shared an experience with my great-grandfather. It gave me comfort at a time when I felt so alone and confused. However, not all signs may be what they seem. Having poured over many paranormal stories, it appears that more malevolent spirits have caught on to this basic human need and will use it to attack you in your most vulnerable of state. Tanning Bread shares their story of possession.
Let's preface a bit. For a majority of my life, there has been a wind-up clown doll at my grandparents' house that was a gift to my older sister from my great-grandmother just before she passed away. The room it normally sat in was the one she died in, of course. Now, it had been a while since my great-grandmother had passed before anything really started happening. And the first things we realized was it was moving rooms randomly and playing It's a Small World After All on its own. We were chalking it up to Gigi just trying to keep in contact with us until things got a little more... aggressive. Other toys would go off even after batteries were removed, most memorable being a Buzz Lightyear figure claiming he would self-destruct in five seconds after walking in front of my Gigi's room. He was supposed to be in the basement. The basement will become important later. My best friend has been able to channel energy and use magic for a little while at this point, and he starts to suggest it's maybe not Gigi just staying in touch. He offers to seal the clown doll in a box in the basement to make sure whatever inhabiting it can't do any real harm. This works. We experience about six months of quiet until my twin sister and I have our birthday out there and one of her friends decides to take the clown out of the box. My best friend and I head into the basement and immediately feel the heaviness and see it sitting on the bar. I march over to grab it and as I reach forward my vision narrows to almost nothing and according to my friend I growled at the doll. The next thing I can recall is my friend putting it into the box, sealing it properly, and being quite pissed at my sister's friend. Bobo the Clown has been in the box for about six years now, and nothing new has surfaced. I have since learned myself how to seal the box should anything happen, and I'm always conscious of it every time I'm in my grandparents' basement. Okay, I hate basements and I hate dolls. This is the perfect story to keep me up several hours tonight. Nothing good ever happens in the basement of a movie and no movie ever just has a possessed doll that's happy to see everyone. So thanks again, Tanning Brad. I mentioned in the beginning of the show that I loved The Exorcist. My grandmother was totally against me watching it because she believes it invites the devil into your home. Some of you may agree and some of you may be rolling your eyes. For years after first watching it, I researched cases of exorcisms and wished that I could meet an exorcist in person. Having read B. Shift Lou's grandfather's experience, I'm now just happy to be reading it from afar. My great-grandfather was an exorcist, and he took my pappy and grandpap with them to an exorcism once. They lived in a small town in Washington, and my great-grandpap was just affiliated with the local church. Nothing like what you see in the movies, how exorcists seem to be very well known and are shipped out to possessions all over the nation or world. Anyways, my pap said they got to the home of a possessed person. She lived alone, and a friend from the church who knew her alerted the church elders to some strange behavior coming from the woman. So like I said, they show up, walk in, 
The lady and her friend are in the living room and they all sit down on the couch. My pap was still a teenager so he was mostly just along for the ride. So my grandpap and greatpap start asking her questions to see what's going on and if anything she's doing might have invited the spirit in. Turns out there's a large witch demographic up in this particular area of Puget Sound and she had started becoming involved in some witchcrafty stuff. I suppose that means she made herself susceptible to some spiritual influence and so they went ahead and decided to try an exorcism. My pap and grandpap said that it was pretty basic. They started praying and after a few minutes the lady starts moving her jaw kind of funny and making weird faces at them. Then she started talking back at them in a demonic voice speaking in a language they didn't understand. They kept praying, meanwhile my teenage dad is pissing his pants watching all of this happen. And after a while she gave a pretty vocal scream, seized and then lay still. They kept praying until she woke up and after that she was fine. She stopped playing around with witchcraft and was fine for the rest of the time they knew her. My great grandpap died when I was just a baby, but my grandpap and pappy remember it happening and will talk about it if they get asked to. So in short, I guess they still do freak out a bit, but not nearly as dramatically as movies make it out to be. I'm not much of a religious person anymore, and since it's a family legend, I can't really attest to the accuracy of it, but my pap and grandpap aren't the type to lie, so... It's still an interesting story. It seems that kids in general are more perceptive of paranormal activity. So it's no surprise to me when Get Into My Station wrote in about their childhood friend possibly being possessed. This is something that happened when I was a kid, probably around six or seven years old. I don't remember it super well and it wouldn't surprise me if I repressed some of it. That sounds so dramatic, but it really did scare me. So I had this really close friend called Emily. One day we'd been in the nearby Disney store and I'd bought a Hannah Montana toy microphone that let you record like 10 seconds of fuzzy audio and play it back but it could only hold one recording at a time. I swear, this will be relevant in a minute. So we're sitting down later on at her house, and I don't remember exactly what she said, but she started talking in this really deep, gravelly voice, which in retrospect would be hard to do for more than a few seconds, even as an adult. I wish I remembered more detail, but I remember her saying she wasn't Emily, and somehow I knew it was a demon, so I assumed she said that too. Even at that age, I didn't believe it was anything real though, and she snapped out of it and asked what happened. I told her to stop joking around and that I didn't believe her. She kept on insisting she didn't remember and got me to explain what happened. Then she said if it happened again, to use the toy microphone to record it so she could hear. We'd been using it all day and did a test recording to make sure it worked. The next time it happened, again, I don't remember what was said, which really annoys me, but 
I very clearly remember recording it, because when she went back to normal, it would not play back. And it couldn't have been a prank because the microphone toy was in my hand. She didn't even touch it, but I swear to God I remember this part happening so clearly because she didn't believe me since I couldn't play back her voice going weird. It happened one more time and again it didn't record, but this time I managed to convince her of what had happened. I don't remember much after that, but when I'd go to her house since that day, every now and again, she'd say we have to do some activity because he, I think she said he, might have been it, wanted or needed us to. I have a very clear memory of the voice thing happening again, but when she went back to normal, she said everything would be fine as long as we colored with felt tips. I'd be completely willing to write this off as a prank or Emily trying to get me to play the games she wanted somehow, but I can't, for the life of me, think of a reasonable explanation for the microphone toy not working. I found the exact toy microphone on Amazon. I think it might have been a UK-only toy, though. What do you think, listeners? Harmless prank or something darker? Listener Mad Domestic Scientist, clever name, comes to share her story about a creepy doll. Again, with the dolls. Now I know I'm definitely not sleeping tonight. Patty Playpal. She's a doll that belonged to my mother in the 50s. One of those child-sized dolls. I don't know what she looked like back then, but by the time my cousins and I came along, she was starting to look a little rough. Plastic discoloration in places, hair looked all ratty, those fake blinking glass eyes. Patty Playpal had a habit of seemingly moving around the basement. The basement was scary enough as it was, having to walk along pulling light cords through the dark rooms. Her eyes would catch the light like animals would. She'd scare the piss out of you as you rounded a corner. Long after we'd all grown up, somehow she never got put up. Every now and again, someone would change her outfit, try to comb her hair and fix it, maybe hang a basket on her arm. She floated around for about a decade, then one day she just disappeared. A few years later, Grandma's house was completely cleaned out to prepare for renters. No Patty Playpal. My mom was pretty bummed. Then, 20 years later, Patty appears in my grandma's basement. She looks even more horrifying now, like a plastic zombie child, black splotches in places, hair a disintegrating mat. But her eyes are bright and sparkly. The renters found her. My mom brought her home, and now she floats around her house, scaring the crap out of people. I chatted with Mad Domestic Scientist about this story and she told me that she actually found Patty Playpal in the attic a few days before I emailed her. She said she had another quick story to share about living behind a graveyard. Basically, when my mother's house was being built in 1994, they discovered a skeleton, which led to the discovery of an 1800s graveyard in the woods behind her house. A graveyard that we found out contains a murdered woman. Also, all the graves are just people-shaped depressions in the ground. 
It creeped my friends out, and nobody would ever hang out at my house because of it, but I wouldn't say the house was haunted, except for Patty. I asked her if she could snag us a picture of Patty Playpal. If she gets an opportunity to snap a pic, then I will post it to our Instagram. Thank you again for sharing your story. We're ending this possession episode with a story from Ethnax716, who sounds like they're still coming to terms with what happened to them. I promise you, this actually happened. And I still think about it. A lot. This happened a little over a year and a half ago in my old apartment. My boyfriend and I were living in a studio apartment in a converted attic. It had 10-foot vaulted ceilings and a 7-foot wall that separated the living room from the bedroom. We were sleeping when, all at once, the scariest shit happens. At about 4am, we're both jarred awake by a warped, distorted, almost demonic voice warbling from the TV in the living room. It was so freaking loud, but we couldn't understand what it was saying. It didn't sound like any language I recognize. Once we came to, the voice stopped and the white noise was blasting on the screen. I was completely and absolutely paralyzed with fear and screamed for my boyfriend to get up and run to turn the TV off. Once it was off, I went to the living room to help investigate. The remote was right where we put it when we went to sleep. We thought the cat maybe stepped on it, but that wasn't realistic, especially considering we didn't have cable at the time, just Netflix and Hulu from a streaming box that was powered off. What was even stranger was when we turned the TV back on, the volume we had it at when we went to sleep was the same. I couldn't go back to sleep at all and the air in the house felt almost thick and considerably darker. That was the first time and last time anything like that had happened to us and to this day, when I bring it up to my boyfriend, he just doesn't like to talk about it. Has anything like this happened to anyone else? What could it have been? It's still one of the scariest paranormal experiences I've ever had. Something similar has actually happened to me, but that is a story I will share in a separate episode. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me, hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help us out. You can find me on most social media platforms, Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, hauntedpod.com, or on our Instagram, it's haunted, what now? All one word. Audio engineering provided by Chaz Gray who manages Chess Gray Music. The official composer for the show is We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkofDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>